I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm director of the Fifth Element. Well, I highlight the Fifth Element hip hop, which is knowledge. And this is the D, the I, the G, the G, I, N, I, the N, T, H, E, D, D, the I, the L, A, T, E, E, D. The P, the E, the O, P, L, E, S. That was my best. It was. Well, it, it wasn't top five. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we've done 167 or something like that, so they're not all going to be hits. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to like to the D, the I, the L, A. It's really, it's really hard. Like, <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know how Snoop did it. I don't know how. I don't know how Dilated did it. I just. I don't know. That was that was your kingdom come. <laughs> Anticipated, but didn't quite didn't quite meet the standards. So a good couple of tracks, and then a major dip after the soundtrack. Uh, Hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Well, this week uh, we got Lupe Fiasco, man. We got freaking Lupe. So let's just dive into this right here. Drill music in Zion. Um, look, I think the most powerful bar of 2022 and maybe the past 20 years is just. He says rappers die too much. That's the verse. And then the instrumental just keeps going. And I think that that, that track is the distillation of Lupe's output post lasers. You know, he's always tried uh, to bring the most emotionally charged and complex issues society has thrown at us. And he's tried to kind of distill them down. And the album opens with Lupe's sister delivering an update on modern oppression and how far-reaching and pressurized those tentacles are. And her intro is powerful, but it's quite sprawling. Uh, it, it really encompasses a lot. And Lupe spends the rest of the project tying it up into a conceptual narrative. Um, it's incredible, you know. On the very next track, he, he says, Neuralink is now pirating all your fantasies, mistaking the sanitation for sanity. My mistake. I'm mistaking staying for cannot leave. Like, and this is the journey, man. This is the journey into Lupe's view of just systems in general, but specifically of oppression and the idea of being trapped on all sides and what that means. He often rails hard against capitalism on this album, presenting potent arguments, definitely against materialism, but he also recognizes his own contradictions within that uh, that system. On Kiosk, he raps, Diamond's only worth what you're willing to pay, a deceptive game you are killing to play. <laughs> Every bar, bro. Anyway, uh, he says... Now I have diamonds, it's odd feeling this way, but when they start to sparkle, that star glittering glaze, it sways, take your mind off today's. It's just like, this is, and this is just one aspect presented as a perpetuating factor of what's wrong with America right now. In the very next bars he raps, where preachers can praise AIDS as God killing the gays, what a fucking phrase, never cease to amaze, but when he dies from cancer, that's God's mysterious ways. Like, uh, you know... I, it feels like an honor to watch someone so intelligent grapple with the most difficult of problems facing modern society, especially in America. We know how horrible it is over there right now. On a final track, he gives us a sobering simplicity of, what's the difference between a posthumous album and a life insurance policy? <laughs> I, I, I'm speechless when I hear bars like that. I, 
there's no one in the world who could rap like this. There's no one in the world who could just, and he does it on every single song. He does it pretty much on every single bar. Um, you know, look, I guess there's a case for saying he's merely pointing out problems rather than offering solutions. But I feel like within these streams of conscious thought, the answers do exist. On the final track, he offers up the chorus, I wish that you were lying to me. Yes, I do. I wish you were lying to me. I hope that none of that comes true, which I take to mean the only way to reverse the trend is to remove the incentive to engage in the life that Lupe is struggling to reconcile. But again, his contradictions are overt um, and self-evident. You know, he says, all we talk about are our goddamn priors, shining metal boxes on top of goddamn tires, goddamn tired. If I say I didn't indulge, my pants would be on goddamn fire because I'm part of the problem. And I really love how short he is on this project, even when he isn't. There's no point on here I feel he isn't in control and operating from a level of understanding that maybe most of his audience he knows are not going to be anywhere near. But his lyrics are just like, man, uh, I don't know, like, the production, I, I won't talk too much about his lyrical content because it's just, you just got to listen to it. It's a, it's a meal, the whole thing. If we were going to dissect this, it would take two episodes. But the production is super warm. It's really calm. I think it complements Lupe perfectly. Uh, it's hardly the lyrical devastation of uh, Tetsuo and Youth. You know, it's not the Dostoevsky of Drogus Wave, which people are still trying to get their head around. That, that album is impossible for anyone to understand. It's not lasers, obviously. And it's not the commercial slash socially conscious of his early career. You know, his early career, he he really, I'm not going to say he dumbed it down, but it was just a different energy. You know, it was a different energy. And I think it's reserved, but it's not necessarily contemplative. It's kind of like he's already done the contemplation and this is what his realization is. It's, it's complex. It's basically what he's, he's saying is the world's problems are really complex they won't be solved by an album or a hashtag and i think it just says that lupe is back man and and I, I was really excited to see what he would come back with on this project and there's just so many snippets of incredible lyrics on here it's just yeah, it's something special it really is um i have seen a lot of people praising it and uh yeah man i i love it i'll quickly run through some of the other projects i listened to um uh, Roddy Rich's three pack was great, really, really solid. Hit super hard. Um, you know, I think the criticism of him was that he got a bit dull. He got a bit middle of the road. He went a bit too far towards the pop side after you know he went number one for eleven weeks or whatever the box did, something insane, and people got a bit bored. And you know, this was him returning to form. French Montana times Harry Fraud. No, don't do that. That's just, that's cowardice. I said this on Twitter. I said this. Who's going to be brave enough to say that this is freaking hate? Straight up hate. French Montana. Oh, big up Mickey. Oh, my. Big up Mickey. I found, I, I, we found them. We, I found, I found the one French Montana fan. Well, there you go. On our, on my, on my Twitter group chat of all places. And me, Brandon, Ryan, uh, uh, uh. Did the did the due diligence and sent mad memes to roast him about it. Well, but, um, join the club, Ben. No, nah, Mickey's Mickey's sitting pretty right now because this album is unironically good. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna come in here as a French defender, whatever. I don't care. The production. Yeah. There's a couple of tracks on here that are trash. Like the whenever he talks about women, whenever he talks about sex and relationships, it's, it's horrible. I don't know why he wants to do that. 
but there's so much emotion on this record. There's so much pain. You know, he talks about chinks a lot. He talks about uh, Max B a lot. Um, it's just beautiful. And the, the track with Benny and Jada Kiss, French has the second verse on that, right? Benny comes in, and then French comes in. You're like, oh, I can't wait for Jada. But French drops a good verse. Like he 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 matches the production on this. And Harry Fraud laced him the fuck up. Absolutely laced him with some of his top tier best production. So I really love that project. I would highly recommend if you're if you're in the Griselda vibe right now, if you're in that underground vibe, then go listen to that project. I promise you, it will hit. Money Man's project was great, uh, straight up freaking banger. The whole thing was great. again a couple of tracks about relationships that I'm just like, we don't need to hear you talk about this. But when he was talking about other things, it just sounded incredible. Um, who else dropped? Patty Honcho times Nums. That was incredible. I tweeted out that Nums is the bink of 2022. And I really don't think there's anyone chopping samples up the way Nums is right now. He's only got like 400 monthly listeners on Spotify, which is insane to me because the production on here is incredible. This is like early 2000s Rockefeller level. This is blueprint level. Like it's obviously not at that level, but that's the vibe and the energy I'm getting. And I don't sit here and think, oh, I want to go listen to the blueprint. I sit here and think, this is great. I, I ran that back about three times in a row. Paddy Honcho is a really, really adept MC. Uh, it, it takes a really good MC to actually do these beats justice. And now I fully, fully love that project. I'm really enjoying what's coming out with uh, Paddy Honcho and especially Nums right now. Um, what else did I listen to? Little Dirk's Deluxe was really good. I enjoyed that. Um, El Camino dropped a project. That was solid. That was really solid. Uh, the 38 special verse on there was insane. Really love that. JR, the Prince of NY. Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't incredible. Um, again, the relationship tracks really didn't hit for me. And Anonymous dropped a project. That was great. Um, yeah, man. That was that was really definitely recommend people listen to that. So I got into a few this week. What about yourself, Charlie? I too got into a few. Um, so I started off with Antelope, uh, Pink Dolphins. Um, so... This is funny because I remember, I don't, I don't remember like every review I do, right? Obviously, because why would I? But um, I remember, <laughs> I remember reviewing Antelope's uh, album from a couple of years ago um, because it was just the most wacky shit I have ever listened to in my life. And then Jamie Branch, who is um, one half of Antelope, um, along, along with um, uh, Jason Nazari, um, <laughs> commented literally quoting me on the pods and it just <laughs> and it was really incoherent as as most of my reviews come across um so <laughs> this is it's it's different again it's different again um it's like a the, the i think the words the quote i i'll give this album um because fun, well it's actually an ep technically um, it's five tracks, um, thirty something minutes, if I remember correctly. Um, the last track, uh, one in the genus, is uh, nearly fifteen minutes, so that's pretty much where it all goes. But um, yeah, you know, but the the quote, the 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 kind of like the what's the what's what's the what's the one line review things that people put on like the advertisements and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Basically, that this is like this is like if the apocalypse came uh, during in, in like cyberpunk. Blade Runner kind of uh, setting, just the, just the world's ending, but you're in Blade Runner. That's kind of the world that's coming about because it's so it's got this apocalyptic, just grind to it. Um, 
there's like a griminess to it, but then you have Jamie Branch's trumpet, which uh, comes through now and again, also vocals as well, and it's and it's like uh, it's crazy. You also have a uh, Jeff Parker, um, international anthem uh, stall, of course, um, on uh, some other instrumentations as well. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's just like the electronics and these percussions coming at you in these synths. And it's all blending together to just give you this, like, the world is ending and we're going out with a scream. <laughs> it's kind of, that's, what, that's what it gives me. Um, but uh, there is, uh, if you go on their band camp, there's like a ton of like uh, just um, uh, more coherent words uh, towards, yeah, towards the EP itself. Um, so, but shout out to Love Man. I, I, it's, it's just, it's always wacky. I'm, I'm, I'm always here for it. Uh, Mango, ma, Mango, Mungo's Hi-Fi and Kiko Bum, uh, Rhythm General. Um, so basically, it's just um, four tracks, uh, two of them with Kiko Bun lyrics, and the other two are kind of just like dub uh, instrument instrumentals on top of it. Um, but yeah, it's Mungo's Hi-Fi. I mean, just uh, I kind of want to see them live. It's just uh, I want to see what their sound system vibe is like because. Uh, they do so when you, when you put on when you put stuff like this on the on the earphones, mm, just it just fits nice. Uh, incognita, great name. I love mm. this name for, uh, to death. Like N, spelled with an N. Cognita, uh, the playbook. Um, so yeah, I came across this. Uh, I have no idea how I came across this actually, but so I came across it and I listened to it. Um, so yeah, so it's it's an EP. Um, but there's just some. There's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff here. There's a lot of good stuff here. Um, it's good freestyle. Trying to find the trying to find the bloody thing. Uh, there we go. So yeah, there's um the two uh, X freestyle with Tundra. That's, uh, that's heat. Uh, I like Once Upon a Time uh, as a first track. Uh, Nothing at all. It's a great track as well. This is some really good stuff all around. Um, she's got good bars. Um, kind of gives me um trying to think of a comparison, but I can't think of one in my in my head. But it's it's good. It's it's some good stuff in here. Um, it actually dropped in April. Um, so I'm catching up on this front, but um, you know, never too late to, uh, to 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 catch something new. Uh, Lupe drill music in Zion. Um, I don't really have much else on it. Um, apart from uh, I do appreciate the uh, <clears throat> the replayability this has. I feel like this can be just put on any time. Uh, you know, it's only forty minutes. Um, it's not Drogas wave level dense. Um, which I, I remember listening to that for the first time. I was just like, <laughs> I just, I just got lost in the weeds, bro. Too I was intense. so, I was, I've never been so in the weeds with an album. Like I was just, I, I did not know where the fuck I was. Um, but yeah, this is, um, this is uh, much more palatable, um, for, for sure. Um, I, I like the, I like the production. I enjoy the production. It's got this, um, real, um, uh, it's, it's, it's kind, of, it's, it's like light and airy. It's not really. Uh, doesn't doesn't get you down too much. It doesn't. It's not too complicated. It's not convoluted. It's very relatively simple, simplistic, and I like that. I, I appreciate that. And obviously, um, you know, Lupe is just word playing on wordplay, and uh, you know, triple entendres, all that shit. It's all so so good in the hood. Um, can't complain about that, of course. Uh, Aaron May, no recognition. I remember listening to his EP. I think it's called Let Go. Um, a few years ago. And uh, I still have one of his tracks on there. It's called, I think it's actually called Let Go. Um, uh, yeah, Chase. The album was called Chase. Um, it was, uh, yeah, 26 minutes. There you go. Um, and yeah, a song called Let Go. I've really enjoyed that. And I still have it in my regular rotation. It's a really good track. 
Um, so yeah, came with no recognition. I don't. I'm, I'm counting this as an EP. It's 18 minutes, seven songs. So, um, but you know, break bread. Uh, no recognition. The title tracks really heat. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, wasn't into Rush. Um, I think that was more for the feature than Aaron himself. Um, I ain't worried. It's a nice finish as well. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm just, I'm just, I just, I just want more. To be honest, I really like what Aaron May's got. I like, uh, I like when I listen to him. I like why here. Um, but it's a lot of uh, it's it's too far in between, man. It needs needs more heat. Needs more heat. Uh, that's just me personally. Uh, Santana Fox, uh, girl next door. Now, Ben, uh, do you know um, uh, who Santana Fox is? Uh, is a uh, uh, father is? No. Um, I'll give you a, I'll give you a hint. Um, it was their anniversary of their death of a week ago, or a few days ago. Oh, I'm not sure. It's actually uh, she's actually the daughter of Prodigy. Oh really? Um, yes. Um, so yeah, she comes through with the album. She can speak. And uh, you got Baldy James on here on the chase, which um, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm still not into Baldy James at all. It's just, it's just getting worse and worse for me. Whenever I listen to him, I just I don't you you like, gotta be like, careful saying that. You gotta be really careful. Why? Every time you say that, I feel like we're gonna get cancelled. Why? Can't not like Baldy James, Charlie. I'm sorry. Okay, um, don't want to tell you. Um, but yeah, Santana Fox is good. Um, it kind of it, it starts off interestingly, and then it goes off into uh, low key just a Griselda vibe, um, and just that dark dingy production, which I'm not complaining about. Um, but I did enjoy, enjoy the first few tracks uh, past uh, before Nocturnals, which had a different essence towards it. Um, but after Noct- once it got to Nocturnals, it kind of just went into a uh, Griselda-like album, uh, which I'm not complaining about. Uh, but yeah, she's got some good stuff here, man. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. Can't complain. Uh, definitely worth a listen. And lastly, Economy. Uh, I wish it would rain today. Now, full disclosure, I wouldn't be listening to... Uh, uh, well, <laughs> I wouldn't have even clock this um, if it wasn't for my good friend Caroline, who is featured on the album. Shout out to Caroline for coming through on here uh, on uh, how do you colour a sound. Um, it's mainly instrumentals, um, but it's very vibey, very, uh, very. Uh, you got you got some lyrics here and there for a few tracks, um, but mainly instrumentals, which I can't, uh, which which is solid. Uh, really nice, just um, really nice beats and a really nice uh, listen throughout. Very re- got some good replay value out of, uh, for me personally. Uh, it's just about thirty three minutes, thirteen tracks, so. Yeah, just put it on the background. I feel like it's a good vibe, definitely. Um, and yeah, you can just and and it splits up very nicely. It doesn't it doesn't uh, blend together. Okay, you, you actually if you don't um, if you don't take account of the track listing and just have it on, not look at it, um, you'd think there there are, there are more tracks than than there are uh, because there's just so many beat switches, um, which I'm uh, always into. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Economy and shout out to the homegirl Caroline. And with that said, we should hop into our topic uh, for this episode, and it's a retrospective on the California-based uh, dilated peoples. Indeed, I the elder. No, I'm not doing again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I mean, for, from, I, I mean, I could have easily done just, um, you know, worst comes to worst, my peoples come first, but that kind of um, obviously into uh, samples, mob deep. So I didn't want to uh, 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 encroach. On, on something else, um, but you know, Dilated Peoples, uh, the trio, uh, DJ Babu, RS Science, and obviously Evidence, um, and yeah, man, I, f- I feel like I've always 
there's actually many tracks. Well, it's just a start off. Like, while I was listening to the albums, I was just like, there's a lot of tracks here I've actually heard of, but just didn't know um, what it, it was. Uh, well, I knew it was Dilate Peoples, but I didn't know what album it was or stuff like that. So, when I was, when I was going through this week, um, for obviously the five albums they got, um, this is very uh, lightly pleasing every time when it was just like a little nugget. I was like, oh, I've heard this before. I don't know where I've heard it. I mean, they've been on many um, uh, video games. So on Needs to Be Underground, ABA Street Volume 2, SSX3, uh, Fight Night Round 3, uh, I think MLB as well. Um, so yeah, they've, they've had a... They've, they're one of those groups. They kind of remind me of um, a Jurassic 5 a lot. Um, obviously from location, I, I, you know, obviously that there's that. But also the fact that, you know, they're from Los Angeles, California, um, but you wouldn't know that from the music they do. It comes across very um, just not West Coast in what we think West Coast is. Um, and I find I always found that, I always found that interesting in this little nugget, or this, this little pocket, pocket of history, of music history, hip-hop history, where um, LA was going through a different phase and they were kind of just going out of the G-Funk era and they were just there, you know what I mean? Um, but obviously, when you listen to DP, um, there's a lot of mentions of Los Angeles. There's a lot of mentions of California and just uh, the world around them. Um, so you don't really, you don't get f- too far away from where they're at. Um, you really know where they're up, where they, uh, where they are based. But um, just listening to them passively is very interesting. Uh, I, I would say. But anyway, Ben, what have you got for us on Dilate Peoples? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a very cold take to say that the LA alternative scene would be forever different if not for dilated peoples. You know, their sound was indicative of a new movement, which was spearheaded by Blackstar, but it took power in the late 90s. And it could be argued that dilated peoples were the ones who spread it through LA. You know, certainly on their appearance on Sway in 2014, Sway was actually quick to attribute TDE to their influence. Um, you know, they brought that DJ Premier New York aesthetic to the West Coast underground scenes, and their sound has been repeatedly described as underground, despite the fact they sold hundreds of thousands of records and spent most of their time on a major label. But in an interview by Noel Dix in 2006, they were asked uh, if they find that they're given the responsibility of being the defenders of the underground, and Rakas said this. He said, I can't necessarily be mad at people for looking at us like that because we've done what we've done for a long time. We just do what we do and some people connect with it and some don't. I've not liked anything, everything that anyone's done and I've had problems with certain songs from every group, even my favorites. Yeah, we are underground artists because our roots are strong and we've stayed true to that, to what it is we want to do. Even if we've branched out and experimented, we're still the same cats. I take that as a compliment. But if you don't think we can still rock stadiums or get played on radio, then I think that's a bit of an insult. And, you know, they have rock stadiums. They have ascended to wild heights, but they're also given the title of leading the underground. So it's quite difficult to conceptualize their career and their influence. It's interesting that Rocker says, you know, he, he wasn't sure how his fans defined underground and thus he wasn't sure whether to take it as a compliment or not. You know, seemingly their whole career, dilated peoples have kind of played both sides. The major label deal with the independent spirit. And I don't see that as a contradiction at all. I see it as influential. And this is where I think their influence and their story comes from. You know, I see it the same kind of deal the Roots signed with Def Jam in 2000, 2006, I think, or 2005. Um, or, you know, some of the deals TDE have signed with major labels, which has allowed them to keep their own release schedule. 
even the same way Jay-Z partnered with Def Jam but kept his label Rockefeller Records. And I think this creates a, a definite, uh, sorry, a, a fascinating legacy for us to dive into and a defining legacy as well because we'll talk about how they formed. Um, Dilated People consists of Evidence, uh, Rocker, and DJ Babu, and they formed... Uh, as a duo originally, way back in 1992. It was Rocker and Evidence. And Rocker told the archivist that he and Evidence were initially, uh, they, they joined together before, D- it was way before DJ Babu entered the scene. Um, and they met through graffiti. Both were enmeshed in the graffiti culture in Venice Beach and they had mutual friends. Ev told Billboard, um, Iris and I used to go back and forth rhyming. So it was an if you can't beat them, join them type of thing. And it was through Rocker's job at the hip-hop shop in LA, which is similar to the hip-hop shop in Detroit, that convinced the two to actually record a song together. Now, he was a manager there, and Evidence would turn up and freestyle. And because they knew so many of the same people, it was kind of decided that they would make a song together. And Rocker said, once we did that song, we did another song and another, and that kind of turned into a group, and we never looked back. Now, all the elements of hip-hop were represented by the formation of Dilated Peoples. Graffiti, breakdancing, DJs, like this was, the, you know, there were, again, it's very similar to the, it's it's that 80s energy. And that's what is um, really fascinating to me. That whole 80s energy of like a hotbed of creativity and people just going in different directions and then coming together uh, because they all just feel each other's spirit, you know, they're each other's creative spirit. Um, evidence told Beat this. He said there was breakdancing on the street and art in the pavilion. Movies like Beat Street and Wild Style were coming out. They really influenced me. And it was something I could see. It wasn't as though somebody was out in the middle of the country watching it through a TV screen. I was actually encompassed with it. And in a 2000 Billboard article, the origin of their name and concept were described by Evidence. So their name is Dilated Peoples. And Evidence said, to dilate is to expand. And we are that, people of expansion. Now, their glow up is really fascinating because Rocker knew through high school DJ Lethal from House of Pain. And he would eventually be in Limp Biscuit, And they had actually made a demo, Rocker and Evidence, with Quincy Jones's son, QD3 because Evidence had moved in next door to him. So it was just by chance that Evidence was next door. And he told the Vogue, um, at night I would hear a loud thumping coming from the backyard next door, and it wouldn't stop until early morning. I could tell that they weren't just playing music, but it sounded like music was being created. And when you hear Evidence talk in interviews about this period of his life, it's fascinating because he was bitten by the bug of creation. He was desperate to begin expressing himself musically, and collaborating with like-minded individuals. He speaks of recording sessions with Too Short, with Everlast, you know, MCs just coming through and creating incredible music. He told uh, Jason Gangabus, gosh, I wish I, I wrote this down, I wrote his name down, and I'm like, I don't know how I'm gonna pronounce that when it comes to it. And I was like, that's future Ben's problem, and it's present Ben's problem. <laughs> Gangabus, he said this, uh, Evidence said this, I didn't ever really think about how music got done, to be honest, but I saw the whole process happen right there. And right at that time was when I stopped wanting to do graffiti as much and started getting into the music aspect of hip hop. So they created a demo in QD3's studio and that got them signed to DJ Lethal's label and they actually recorded their debut album, which was shelved, which is a common 1990s occurrence, of course. The label was called Immortal Tech, uh, sorry, Immortal Technique, uh, Immortal Entertainment, and it had connections to Epic Records, and Jason Gengabus wrote this. By 94, Dilated Peoples had managed to score a record deal through Immortal Entertainment and Epic Records. 
but spent the next three years working on an album that never ended up seeing the light of day. Distribution problems with the label allowed the group to get out of their contract and the pair returned to work the streets as an independent act. Now remember, this was pre-DJ Babu entering uh, the scene. Now, according to Raka, this is Jason's words again, the bitterness that resulted from the failed record deal helped drive the two into becoming well-rounded artists. It was educational. That's how I like to put it, he said, and he's talking about evidence there. Um, so they, be, they, they became affiliated with the legendary West Coast Liquid Crew, uh, a, a collective formed by King T, who actually first recruited the alcoholics and then began amassing a formidable list of names, Exhibit, Loot Pack, Dilated Peoples, and Dilated Peoples was so enmeshed in this collective, and it's not really spoken about that much, but when DJ Babu and uh, he collaborated with Defari, they actually called themselves the Liquid Junkies, which is insane because DJ Babu was not even in the group when they were part of when they formed this collective which i find fascinating so on their debut album that got shelved and i'll talk about it in a second red man and exhibit were on this album and evidence said he listens to the album and cringes but he says the internet seems to like it he critiques his own lack of a distinct style saying it wasn't until later he came into his own as a lyricist i actually think this is an incredible project. I listened to the snippets that are online. I think it's like a 20 minute thing on YouTube. It's not a full record, but the production comes in house and the beats are some of the most inventive concoctions I've heard from around this time and evidence despite his uh, allegedly his lack of a singular voice. And I think that's true. I do think that's true. He stands out as a bit of a lyricist without a focus. You know, which actually kind of means he just skates over the top of quality production. Rocker's vocals are strong without being really groundbreaking, but I think the energy of this release that endeared them to labels and listeners alike, uh, it kind of carried through the rest of their career. They never once relent. You know, the forward momentum is swift and strong. Exhibits versus an absolute highlight. He really stood out on underground boom bat beats from the 90s. It's really unsurprising if you look back at their career that they, they'd feature Exhibit and Redman on the same album. They were both rappers who dipped heavily into the opposing coast for their early career sounds. And Dilated Peoples on this album were mixing Native Tongues era obscurity with mid-90s boom bap and doing both those things with a lot of skill. Oh, I think it's a really great project. Did you listen to it, Charlie? Yeah, I think we, saw, I think, I think we listened to the same uh, yeah. set of snippets. Um and yeah, it came off uh, on that particular video like a kind of like a little mix, a uh, little quick mix. So, but yeah, well, well, the from the taste I got it was, was um, uh, kind of echoing your sentiments. It was just a uh, very, <coughs> very of uh ninety four, and you could clearly see uh, just where their um where the inspirations lied. Um, so yeah, no, it was um, yeah, it's just one of those, I guess um the yeah, I wouldn't mind giving it a spin. Um, if you ever, if you ever saw the light of day, probably won't ever. But uh, yeah, it's it's good from what snippets we got for sure. Yeah, uh, and so after this is when things started to blow up. So evidence told No Jumper that initially they were performing a lot of shows, but they hadn't amassed much of a support in the community. Their deal, obviously, with DJ Lethal's label fell through, and they hooked up with ABB Records, which is an independent label, and they dropped three singles that exploded their buzz third degree confidence and global dynamics so at this time of their career their focus was touring and releasing singles and getting the singles to nightclubs and radio stations and obviously during this period they add added dj babu to the group now rocker met babu through beat junkies so mutual friends gave rocker babu's mixtape which was called comprehension and rocker was super impressed 
they met and became connected and it was Rocco who invited him into the group. Now DJ Babu actually told Jason Gengabus that he was already a fan of Dilated Peoples before that. He said, and I quote, I was DJing on the radio and I was like a big fan of Dilated anyway. Up until I met Evan Rocker, I was really on the page of just trying to pave my way as a DJ. I wasn't super hype on MCs because at that time in hip hop, it just seemed like the DJ took the back seat, but it was really refreshing to meet them. Two MCs who were adamant about not only having an established DJ in the group, but also that that person was a full member. They really pushed me into making myself stronger. You have to remember at this point, the DJ was not a pivotal part of hip hop anymore at all. You know, even in-house producers or like, in-group producers were becoming scarce. Rather than a group having a producer, it was more of a label having one person who produced for the entire roster, for example. For Dilated Peoples to go back to the 80s and add a DJ was really different, and it became a unique selling point that helped them immensely. Um, When I was actually listening to their music last week in a workshop with my partner, she said she loved the scratching. Like the scratching was incredible. She said this is this is incredible. Like, I haven't heard that many groups of this era introduce scratching like this. And I'll talk about it when we get to directors of photography. But I really love that, and and I think that that's a huge part of their story. And we will get to it when I sum it up at the end. But regardless of the perceived quality um, of their first tape, right? Uh, it whipped up this bidding war for the signature of the group. Evidence told No Jumper. We were trying to go the industry route, get a demo, get a deal, come out, let the world discover us through another group that's already had success, something they show you. I'm glad it didn't work because we weren't ready. But when we came back in 2000, we were more ready. Now, when he was talking about that, he means come out, you know, get that success through House of Pain, through DJ Lethal. But yeah, it just didn't happen for them. But when they came back out in 2000, it was actually Capital who won their signature from a myriad of options. Apparently, there was a genuine bidding war for Dilated Peoples. Evidence said their goal was to let the label come to them rather than them chasing deals. And he told Billboard this. He said, it's rare you get to do a record with 100% independence, yet distributed through a major. So I took this as a wide open opportunity. Now, a huge part of the marketing was actually done via their website, which is in the year 2000, pretty you know this is not not common it wasn't common back then i remember those websites from back then they were just like oh they were terrible they take forever to load you'd have to leave them on for like half an hour because people would put flash videos yeah internet explorer it's just it was terrible man so the the website was run by rocker and his family and it helped build such a buzz internationally that capital actually decided to release their debut record remember overseas which was a huge move. This is an underground group from LA with no international touring experience, yet the album charted 89 on the UK chart. That's insane. 15 places below its eventual Billboard 200 position. That's just unbelievable. And the platform is their debut record. And I think it's beautiful. It's steeped in the same warmth as acts like Jurassic 5. It speaks directly to the Turner Millennium Underground sound that was really prevalent at that time. It's really warm and inviting. Uh, Rocker and Evidence crafting dexterous brags about lyrical prowess. Production duties are shared. Evidence Alchemist, who we'll speak of more if we do an Evidence episode. Um, Their relationship is really fascinating. DJ Babu does some of the production here. It's, It's kind of the blueprint for the sound they'd stick to for the rest of their career. I think Evidence's tone of voice is a little bit different from the early work. Uh, He said apparently he felt quite self-conscious rapping in his normal speaking voice, so he molded it more to what he felt the listener might prefer. But we get some insane features. Be Real, Everlast, Defari, 
Uh, Ev told Billboard this, he said, we didn't have a lot of money at the time we were doing the record, so we knew these were people who would come down and represent the name of hip hop. Some of them are four times platinum, so it shows where their heads are at. They're still into hip hop and that's something I respect. Um, and look, service is, a, is an homage to the lost art of the DJ. Evidence said this, he said, the platform of hip hop is the DJ and always has been. Without the DJ, none of this would run. That's why we've been an independent vinyl group for the last five years. With vinyl and with our DJ being the performer, we have options. Now, I always see Dilated Peoples and the movement they were part of as kind of the second wave of the gangster rap rejection. You know, after, of course, the Native Tongues and the movement in the late 80s and early 90s, we get like Jurassic Five, Black Star, Ugly Duckling, um, of course, the Soulquarians. And I think the platform is a throwback. But it didn't throw back that far, you know, it kept the sound kind of centered in the present enough to ensure that they amassed a dedicated fan base who felt like they were on the cutting edge. And um, yeah, man, I think Dilated People's their debut album, it's, it's a warm project, really warm. Yeah, you could say uh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was plenty of, uh, of flavor uh, and not uh, diluted it's no, no. Um, I'm, I'm worried no, I'm going to no say no diluted peoples here I'm worried have I said diluted peoples yet no but I've, I, I wanted to get out of the way so we both don't say it yeah it's going to happen at some point I'm sure <laughs> um, but yeah uh, usually with a project I feel um, of this nature where there's like so many cooks in the kitchen pertaining to the producer list especially um, you know, E. Swift, T. Ray, Alchemist, aforementioned, Babu, obviously, uh, and Evidence as well. Um, there's just a lot of names here, and I feel, and you, you see it on the face, and you're just like, oh, that's a recipe for disaster. But it's just so, it is very um, cohesive. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. And um, I feel like also on top of that, I, th- I think it's because. Uh, that is because of just the um, the confirmed foundations that they had already. And they knew, you know, in some form or fashion, before this time, they were doing it for at least five years, um, give or take. So, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of time there to uh, make a foundation for yourself. And it comes across here with how just, simplistic in its um in its uh, uh mission so to speak um but because of that it just comes off as high quality just um just high quality hip hop uh, for the 2000s um they they have this you know i i, I think we, i think my i've you know really listed to you know things like the place like Jurassic 5 and Aussie alcoholics has a, a big link as well um and I just really, I feel like that's due to the interpretations of what people took hip hop as. Um, you know, there, there's, there's, I think there's several categories you can make um, as to how people take hip hop and make it their own. Um, and I feel like Dilay Peoples especially um, do it in a way that is very grounded and also true to the game, so to speak. Obviously, mentioning the the D, the DJing, the way you're saying Babu is crazy to me. By the way, Babu, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll chalk it up to the accent. Um, but yeah, it's it's so refreshing to have just several tracks where at the end of it, it's just it's just Babu just going off, like just just scratch, just scratch C, 
And, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it goes off. And, um, you know, similar to Jurassic 5, you know, going off, in popping off in some ways, uh, relatively, um, in the UK. And, you know, shout out to them on that front. You know, similar to, you know, Slum Village as well. Mm. Um, it's just one of those, you can add, chalk that up to just one of those groups that just came across here. For some reason, people fucking with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, that's just, uh, that's, that's great to see, of course, um, uh, to, to have those. And it is, I think, I feel like it's not, it can't be luck of the draw, right? Because for most of them, that's what you, you, they have the, they have the similar essence where they're hip hop and just 10 toes down on that. Right. And for whatever it's worth, the fact that they chart in the UK says something to me um not just about them but also about uk's taste in hip-hop which i would love to just look into for myself later on uh down the line but um but yeah it's just something i wanted to mention because it's, it's it's very interesting how them Jurassic five slum village they all have that connective tissue of being very rooted to the pillars of hip-hop and it's not just um and it's not just rapping, it's not just decent production, but it also has that um that freewheeling element that DJing just brings. Um and, you know, just like another freestyle in some way. Um and not just um, you know, someone just rapping. Um, which is, you know, it's just it's just refreshing. It is a is a very refreshing listen as as is the rest of the uh discography. Uh, spoiler alert, it's consistent. <laughs> but yeah, uh, this album specifically. Uh, shout out to obviously be real on no retreat. Great, love the main event. Uh, that beat goes hit, goes hard. Uh, years in the making. Uh, triple optics. I love the. I think there's a. I think there's a, a, a scratch sesh at the end of that. It just goes off. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a solid album, definitely. Um, really, really hot stuff. Two stars on Rolling Stone. Imagine that. Jeez. I mean, it's Rolling Stone, like... Lord. So we get this second... You know, I'm going to read it while you talk. Fuck okay. it. Banner. Okay. Banner. Charlie's going to come back with less brain cells than he left with. So watch, we get... Watch me, bra- watch me brain roll on camera. It's going to start <laughs> seeping out his ears. Yeah, watch my brain roll on camera. So the second album is Expansion Team, and we know from the Billboard interview in 2000 that Dilated People's men expanding people you know expansion team fits that concept beautifully and this was their most commercially successful record 36 on the billboard 200 55 in the uk certified silver in the uk 87 review average which is definitely higher than that's their highest so it was obviously higher than their first album they're in a blessed place after the success of their first album ever actually told people's party that they were successful enough with every album to recoup and just add a little bit more juice for the next record and the juice on this record is Guru, DJ Premier, Black Thought, Questlove, The Beat Miners, artists who were at the commercial pinnacle of the underground movement in 2001 and Ev told Hip Hop DX back in 2001, I just want more of what's happening right now. We did a show last night in Anaheim at the House of Blues and it was just packed and people knew the words and it was like a family vibe. That's more than I'd ever dreamed of in the beginning. Where we are right now is farther than we actually ever expected to get. Now, a lot of people point to the Kanye West connection as being their commercial peak, but Kanye wasn't Kanye back then. You know, this was their this was their commercial peak. This record, the Kanye thing comes next, but this was their record. Um, and he, he evidence said 
We keep it real with two MCs and a DJ, straight up. If you notice, we don't put our DJ in the back of the stage and just let him be the guy who shuffles his headphones and pretends to move records around. He's the real background of our group. Now, I found some things interesting on here. Sampling Prodigy on the lead single, Worst Comes to Worst. Uh, the search for freedom of expression on heavy rotation, the warm jazz of pay attention, the turntablism on dilated junkies. You know, this is the quintessential DP album. I feel like they found their center of gravity on this record, the place that they were their strongest. And from that position, they expanded. By this point, Evidence was really excelling as an in-depth lyricist who was beginning to place his name in the category with his future peers like Talib Kweli, Black Thought, Guru. The bass in his voice was something new. I think on heavy rotation, the way he drops his bars on the kick of the beat, the same way that Biggie popularized, it creates an entirely new type of production, uh, sorry, percussion. And there's definitely some misses on here. I think um, propaganda leads maybe too far into the underground sound of the early 2000s, that ugly duckling aesthetic that doesn't quite fit the DP sound. The beat on war, I did not like that. You know, I think it was way too experimental. I really like what they were trying to do on it. I think the lyrical content is incredible, but the beat is a bit too stripped back and it sounds kind of tinny and undone, which is, you know, really only compared to the boom bat warmth of the rest of the record. These are minor criticisms, you know, I think more so than any other DP project. This definitely had me nodding my head the hardest uh, and most aggressively. I think this is their best project, to be honest. Um, what have so, yeah, that, what that, have Rolling that Stone st- delivered? What <laughs> what gems of knowledge have they Im- embarked upon? It, 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 I don't I don't really think it was a it was a review for the platform because they spent more. Well, Rob Sheffield just to you know out of the name um, Hi, Rob. spoke more about De La Soul and uh, Slum Village than uh, than the platform. So that tracks. I've, Think I think that was just a off link or whatever. It was just really weird. Uh, I don't know if that counts as a review. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, expansion team. You know, obviously, worst comes to worst is I. I think I think that's one of Alchemist's best beats ever. I f- I just it's just so like it's just such a elite beat, um, iconic sample. I love the I love the strings on them as well. It has this classic feel. Um, it's just absolute perfection to me. Um, but yeah, past that, I don't know. I feel like uh, yeah, I I I obviously this is the uh, the the album people talk about when it comes to dilated peoples, and you know it's not obviously it's it's obvious why you know the names that you mentioned obviously are not uh, names you sleep on. Uh, DJ Premier. On top of the Alchemist and uh, uh, Black Thought on hard hitters as well, uh, Guru as well. Um, you know you can't <laughs> you can't miss. Um, I will say, uh, with the consistency given, um, like uh, aforementioned consistency, I think also the uh, thing I like about this, and also on most of the projects as well, I feel like they always do this as well. They always have like a live element as well. Um, just, just in the, just uh, at the back of the back end of some songs, or just uh, or some interludes or whatever. Uh, I really appreciate that. I like, I like that element as well. Um, don't think it comes across on this particular album. It might be the next album I'm thinking about, but regardless, it's still great. That's a random thing I want to say. Um, but yeah, I just um, I, I don't know whether this is obviously this is their quintessential one. I'm not sure whether it's my favorite one to listen to. Um, it does have. 
you know, I think uh, I think heavy rotations. One I'm thinking about uh, clockwork. Of worst comes to worst, clockwork just banging top two right there. Uh, live on stage uh, start. There you go. That's the one I'm talking about. Uh, thinking about. Um, Dilated Junkies was a very fascinating uh, little little posse cut. Uh, that was that was cool. Uh, Nightlife uh, with Joey Chavez beat as well. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty decent. I just um I don't know. I, I it's it's I'm you're picking at uh you're picking at straws to be honest when it comes to picking your favorite out of the, out of these albums, right? And that's how I feel anyway because there are just a lot of um overlap. I do get what you mean on the nitpicky side of things. Um but I don't know. I like I like the I like the experimentation. Um it's not I don't feel like it's, it goes too out of the realm. Um, in my mind, doesn't uh, kill the album at any time for me. Not that I'm saying it does that for you, um, or maybe you just hate Questlove. Who knows? But um, <laughs> it's, but yeah, no, it's just, it's a it's a, it's a quintessential album. Like the fact the fact that the fact that it just I mean, even charted in France apparently. Oh, so shout out to France, but um, it kind of just makes me wonder why I haven't uh, seen these guys uh, come through to uh, perform live because Slum Village always do. Um, I think they, I think they came to the jazz cafe a couple of months ago, or in a couple of months, I forget. But um, you know, and obviously Jurassic Five's uh, disbanded. But you know, I'd like, you know, not to, not to sound like I'm finishing up here, but uh, you know, come come through, DP, come come through. We'll 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 house you nicely. Um, but yeah, no, this is this is a great album. There's nothing, nothing <laughs> there's nothing more to say on it. Uh, it's just really good. It's just really good. Now we get Neighborhood Watch, uh, and the budget got bumped up again. Man, we get. Kanye West, fresh off his Rockefeller victory lap, about to embark on one of the greatest solo careers of all time, and he hops on this record. This way is their only entrance on the Hot 100, charted at 78, but it's not actually their highest stream track on Spotify. It currently has 17.1 million streams, which is easily eclipsed by Worst Comes to Worst with 50 million you can't hide, you can't run. Actually, also beats it with nineteen point five million. But evidence told no jumper that this was the first time they were ever on one hundred six and Park and Funk Flex. You know, basically the first time they entered that mainstream hip hop news cycle. And this is what evidence told Talib Kweli. And I find this fascinating. Black Eyed Peas had just popped off. I think they saw some similarities between <laughs> BEP and Dilated Peoples. BEP had just added Fergie, and went from there to Over the Roof. So they were like, you need a hit. We were young and defensive. Fuck the label and the man trying to hold us down. So we said, you tell us to, who to go to make a hit with. And they said two people, Scott Storch or Kanye West. Scott Storch was the biggest, but Kanye wasn't. <laughs> he said, you mean the guy who did Beanie Siegel? That shit sounded like an alchemist beat to me. There's a lot of, look, I'm not, it's not slander, but evidence, you know, if he tweeted this stuff out, it'd be a long day for him. But he said... He said, if that's what will take us to the promised land, we'll go there. We didn't know about Kanye yet. Nobody did. Through the Wire wasn't a video yet. He had this weird determination about him that was like nothing I'd ever witnessed before. Kanye West was the first person I ever saw jump on the console and start rapping. And he actually tells a story of him and Kanye just being in the studio together alone. And Kanye jumped up on a console and rapped to evidence and evidence and like, you know, super energy and evidence was just like, there's literally no one else here. Like, I don't know why you're doing this. So it was, it was a fascinating interview. Now, uh, evidence actually says that get by was the track that blew Kanye up. Um, I'm not sure if he was saying that just because he was on Talib's show, 
but you know we all know get by incredible track um but with regards to this this song that they did dilated peoples uh this way with kanye dave myers actually directed the video he directed like dave myers when i went into his his filmography is insane missy outcast biggie ice cube mc ren genuine eve def leppard jay-z ll lil wayne juvenile dmx some of the greatest music videos in history so the budget was very powerful on this record and the promotion was pretty wild because you know it was in who's who was in two video games sx ssx3 and need for speed underground which you know need for speed underground was one of the biggest games that franchise ever released i fucking had it you know we got more Alchemist production on here. Five production credits. Evidence has two. DJ Babu has four. Devin the Dude on here as well. You know, this was meant to be the album that propelled them to the next level. This was meant to be their Ella Funk, the next mainstream peak. But it did not work that way at all. And maybe by design on like, Reaches. Fuck it didn't. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it because on Reaches, Rocker Raps. But the news really on this show is crooks and stars. It holds you for commercials that talk you into buying shit. You know, Big Business, to me, that track sounds more like a Rage Against Machine lyrical palette. You know, Rucker delivers, war is big biz, ask, big biz, ask an economist, speak in volumes, calling anti-war and anti-American synonymous. Like, this is the content, man. And look, if the Black Eye, if we run with the Black Eyed Peas comparison, Where Is The Love was their breakout single, right? And it's similar in message, but it's completely different in execution you know bp grabbed justin timberlake and created a pop rap crossover song that defined the next 10 years of their career you can feel that dp were never ever ever going to go down that route but you might have even said that about black eyed peas before elephant before fergie got added you might be like there's no way black eyed peas would ever release an album like that but you know like there's look for example there's nothing like closed session on elephant you know, we're not getting like a bunch of hardcore MCs spitting in a posse cut. And, you know, with regards to this record, I feel like it's probably their second weakest album. Um, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I love how the label try to throw their weight behind it and push it into something it wasn't. You know, they rebelled so hard against that. Again, I'll finish with an Elephant comparison. Elephant had Let's Get It Started, <laughs> Hey Mama, Shut Up, Smells Like Funk, and Where Is The Love, right? DP were not interested in any of those shenanigans. They were not having that at all. And, you know, I think this was a mo this was a moment, man. This was a genuine moment. They could have gone in a different direction. They chose not to. They chose to stay true to their roots. And I'll speak about that in a second. But man, I I love it. I love the fact that they did that. Yeah, I was getting to I was getting to the point where I was starting to get flashbacks. So, you know, that'll be great if you're Ding-a-ling. less enough on the BEP talk. Um and but you know, with that said, um they they, they <laughs> it's interesting how, you know, that, that kind of fork in the road happens. Um I do wonder if uh, the guys uh, the BP guys see black eyed peas for what they are now and do they see themselves in that? Um, or what could have happened, so to speak. Do they see like a parallel universe right there in front of them? Um, it's an interesting question I'd like to put to one of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like I enjoy this album the most, um, oh. pound for pound. Uh, I love the first, especially like the first half of this. I love Marathon, uh, Trying to Breathe, uh, Caffeine, Who's Who, Reach Us. I love the beat to Reach Us. I love that. 
Um, I don't. I'm not a fan of poisonous. Um, mostly about the lyrical content more than anything. It kind of gives off. Um, it kind of gives off a Bell Biv DeVoe's poison, um, but just not. Yeah, but just without the iconic beat and without the good vocals, it's just just without the good stuff. <laughs> it's just poisonous without the good stuff. Um, I felt yeah, that so way. I, I'm glad you said that because I felt the exact same way. Yeah, I was just listening to it. I was like, oh, "This is literally poison." It's <laughs> poisonous. Like it's not even hiding it. You're not even hiding it. Um, so, when yeah, did Poison come out? Track. That'd be mid nineties, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah, definitely like ninety five. All right. Like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, that's a that's a karaoke banger. Um, oh. Yeah. Past and then and then after it gets to the after the poisonous, I think it just gets better for me. Reach us as I said. Um. I know my big business. Love and war is very interesting. Uh. World on wheels is good. Um. And obviously this way with Kanye, which is just a very, um, it does have get by. Get by vibes where they both have this grandiose, um, but not, but not grandiose in like the, uh, not like beautiful dark twisted fantasy grandiose, right? Not not that kind of thing, but but grandiose in the sense that, uh, I I just I just think the way the tra- I think the way the track just um. What's the word? Uh, crescendos, kind of. Mm. It just kind of it just has this steady rise, and it's just like an explosion of uh, emotion. I feel same with Get By. Uh, you know, obviously with Get By. So this morning I woke up being a brand new. I jumped up. Like, I I really I love that shit. And I get the same. Nose. I get the same essence when it comes to to this way as well. And it finishes off with a DJ Babu. Um, just a basically like five minute mix. So. You know, can't complain about that. I just, I don't know, bro. I feel like it's a, you know, I feel like we're being, we're being, um, it's a very fine line to like what the, what their quote unquote worst album is or what their best album is. I feel like if you scored these out of a hundred, they would be very, very close to each other numbers wise. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there's just a lot more that speaks to me personally here, especially stuff like trying to breathe, uh, reach us marathon, those three tracks specifically this way as well. Um and of another another good stuff sprinkled in between, uh, yeah. I just it just really speak uh, spoke to me when I was uh, listening to this. So um yeah, shout sh- out to this album. So it's an un- it's a it's a little gem for me personally. Then we get twenty twenty and they recouped again and the label the label locked back in for Big the lo- weed vibes. This is their last album with Capital and their last album for eight years. And it has to be remembered that one of the key parts of DP was the solo careers. You know, the goal was actually always to branch off and create a solo dynasty. In the Billboard article from 2000, which was promoting the platform, the term Wu-Tang was mentioned when referring to the ambitions that DP had. Um, But it was not happening due to label issues. Ev told Talib Kweli, we always knew we wanted to. We were solo artists who came together to form a group. Now, this album was maybe the last hurrah of a label who saw that Black Eyed Peas potential in the group but couldn't figure out how to manifest it without the group compromising their sound. They never could. Like, it was never going to happen. But you know what labels are like. They, they, you know, never is not a thing. And DP were way too focused on autonomy of sound, as they should be. Rocker told Temple this. He said, We can't force people to listen to us, so we must speak through our songs. The right image begets the right vision. We try to be thinkers, not followers. Now, this is, of course, the key and maybe the key to the entire legacy of DP. 
because how many of us could say we were presented with the bright lights and had the money behind us and the push onto that that next level of mainstream success and we hopped up there and we didn't read from the notes the label gave us because you've got to remember that they didn't say no to the money the label was giving them. They didn't like remove themselves from the system. They took the money and they created something that their fans liked and as evidence said, every album they recouped and a little bit more but they never went to that level that the label wanted them. And I fucking love that image, man. And like, yeah, man, I, I think it's incredible. Evidence has told interviewers that they made enough money to stay autonomous in the industry. And in the end, isn't that, that's that's enough, right? Like, I think so. Anyway, Rucker told Temple this. He said, people don't have to know us well to pay attention to what we say lyrically. We're a true representation of what hip hop is. You cannot say that if you make an album like Elefunk. You just can't say that. You can only say it if you fucking lived it. And and DP, when they say it, you don't. No one balks at that. No one's like, mm, not sure about that. Like you're like, yeah, that's that's very true. And Rucker told Temple this again. He said, we wanted to make a statement with this album. It's all about 2020 vision. It's about what what state the streets are in. So we speak on it to let others know. And I want to get a little bit existential for a second because I know we have another album and I want to speak on it. But I just want to gas DP up. You know, a few times in this podcast, we've discovered artists or groups who were given the choice to sign their life away for an insane check and they chose not to. But way more often, we speak on artists who did choose to and they did sign it away for better or worse. You know, I guess only they can be the judge of that. But DP could never make statements like that without putting the work in. They chose not to run with all the other major labels chasing their signature with insane advances they chose to sign with capital because it would afford them the most autonomy and ev told an interview and i can't i can't remember which one i've seen about a hundred interviews with uh by the way this has been a hard episode because most of the information has been in videos not in text so i've had to watch like maybe 20 hours of videos to and interviews but evidence said the only difference between being major and being independent is at the end of the day you end up with no money on both but if you're independent you're still yourself and you know 2020 therefore i think is the final manifestation of that status that statement because not once did they compromise themselves on this record you know i think the sound is slightly updated uh it's 2006 you know 2006 infected everyone that it touched the mid 2000s is the mid 2000s but it's still warm it's very solid they dip into g-funk on the eyes have it uh it sounds kind of like it will break speakers it's a fucking banger um, even I think low points like alarm clock music are stacked with fire bars and really great punchlines. I think evidence is the triumph of this group. I think he actually gets better with every release. It's really fascinating. He actually told No Jumper he's always learning as an MC. And he said it was Raka who had the better delivery and lyricism. But I kind of disagree. I think Raka stays consistent throughout their discography. I think he's as good as he on the first album as he was on their last. But evidence surpassed him on 2020. I personally think so. I think he sounds better. I think his flow is better. I think his delivery is better. His lyricism stands next to almost anyone at that point. And I think it's a great project, man. It, it caps off a major label career about as consistent and autonomous as anyone's ever had on a major. So kind of a Kendrick, J-Rock thing go dynamic right there for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's actually a really good point because J-Rock hasn't really progressed he's always that's what, been that's what we said yeah that's what we said during the kendrick perspective on the first the first part where um we listened to their joint project in 2000 whatever it was 
and we were like, J-Rock sounds like fucking J-Rock. Yeah. Right? And, and it's, it's clear that at that point, he was just, he was just good. And uh, people saw him as obviously the next dude up. Um, and, you know, in some ways he fulfilled that. Uh, and he's been consistently great. But obviously for people in, in your scope, uh, having... Kendrick at the start being lesser, but obviously then becoming then overtaken at some point, and evidence does that as well for you. Yeah, that's for sure. Interesting comparison. Right yeah, um, that's good. That's good comparison. Came across when I, I like it. Yeah. Um. Uh. I just love the weed bars on here. To be fair. Uh, yeah. I love the mention. I like. The, I like the. Inter- I like the interludes cu- uh, that they come in and out of uh, just their dealer coming through to the studio. I like that. Uh, I like the consistency. Kind of just uh, you know keeps it fresh. Um, I do appreciate the, uh, I think the, what's the word? I forgot the word, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a solid album. Uh, again, it's, it's, sound like a broken, uh, broken record, but, um, you know, the, the, the broken, um, the Broken Lens album cover uh, makes me anxious, um, cause then I just look at my camera beside me. I'm just like, never. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting you say, when you're talking about that, I was think I was trying to think of a track where I was just like, where does evidence like stack up? Um, cause I do, I do agree with you for some, uh, to a point. Um, I do feel like our science just comes off, uh, very, <clears throat> very natural. And I think I've said this before, uh, sometimes I do get a bit, um, jarred by evidences, uh, just vocal delivery it does it does it doesn't uh uh it, it's it's just not just doesn't sit well with me sometimes um it's not as it's it's kind of like west side boogie uh, uh you know kind of uh category for me where i can listen to them um but i'm not going to like uh maybe i like put them on my regular rotation or you know or, or they spin spin their albums constantly because i'm just like ah the voice ah but um, I think kindness for weakness is a good. Uh, I think uh, um, what's the word? Uh, litmus test. I feel uh, for uh, how how Ben sees it. Um, I feel like they they both and obviously Talib uh, at the end uh, for the third verse really put. I think they really put on. Uh, I think it's probably one of their best tracks um, out of the out of the bunch. I feel like if we did a a greatest hits, this would be part of it. Um, you know, Irish science comes in with just some a decent wordplay here with a uh, don't take the shit for granted, Tommy. We don't play all fair in love and war, piece of cake, but beef is rare like a bloody piece of steak. Eyes off the quiet ones, the silent ones with the assassin smile, the most violent train until they're bleeding, crying, perspiring, and guns rings firing. Uh, and then evidence comes on the second bit. Uh, love or fear, the fears, fear lasts longer, but love is stronger, so I stay loyal to love with honor. Uh, you got to you got those who want to take that for weak. Be prepared; they'll test you in front of your peeps. Some easy advice by a way out of by a way out of my life. It's the pin. It's the principle. Uh, the pockets fat, not flat. Some borrow the dough, relax on paying that back. Come on, cat. It's just it's just yeah. They just, just come at you just like but just just uh, they, they just jab you sometimes like but wordplay. Another another couple of lines right there for you. Um, really good stuff, and uh, again, uh, production is uh, consistent again. And I think more, ev- uh, I think the most evidence uh, production 
uh, out of the yeah, bunch, I think he, uh, which he is, is or maybe director's photography is probably because uh, he's got eleven. Yeah. Oh no, he's got how many has he got on that? I don't know. I've got it written down somewhere. Could be though. <laughs> okay, on the face it does look like evidence. Uh, I think I think pound for, I think um, average wise, I think because obviously uh, DOP has more tracks. Uh, I feel uh, I think evidence has. More high percentage um, on the on th- on twenty twenty, but uh, yeah, you could do the. Look at me getting on the hip hop numbers. <laughs> yeah, Charlie's just encroaching. Give me the account, bro. <laughs> no, you hip hop numbers take over. You're welcome to to jump on hip hop numbers anytime with some statistics. Yeah, if you want to watch your shit uh, fall to the floor. <laughs> so we get their final album or their most recent album. I'm not sure it'll be their final, but directors of photography. I would love a twenty twenty two. DP right now. That'll be great. Th- straight up throwback. That'll make this year very. That'll, that'll, that'll round up this year very nicely. So in the six years, we got a bunch like between the projects, so many solo. We got two from Rocker, uh, four from DJ Babu, eleven from Evidence, and that's not even including his production work, which is insane. I won't speak too much on that. Um, I've read that it was the label holding them back from dropping solo work, but that's for the solo episodes. I think if we ever get around to them, now Directors of Photography is their first independent album as a group. Ev said this to allhiphop.com. He said, I'm excited about it, nervous about it, everything in between. We never broke up or anything like that. We've been supporting each other on our solo missions. And they did. If you watch any interview with any of the members from all this time, they are always promoting the solo work of the other members. Always. They're always like, you know, this is coming out from this person. Is this... And so this album dropped via Rhyme Sayers. It charted 41 on the Billboard 200, which is incredible independently especially in 2014 because this was a 2014 was a was a hole for independent because in in the like you know 90s and early 2000s they were selling physical copies this didn't exist in 2014 no one was buying physicals and nowadays you can put albums up on streaming and streams count but streams didn't count as album sales back then so they're in this weird middle ground uh where you know piracy was still rampant and the sales were coming mainly from iTunes and digital dispensaries. So for an independent actor chart, 41, that is a testament to a very dedicated fan base. Um, it even charted in Switzerland independently. Like, that's fucking sick, man. It's uh, it's a lot different in terms of collaborators. Um, Vince Staples on Darkroom, which is incredible. Aloe Black on Show Me The Way, which is actually produced by Jake One. Evidence produces seven tracks. Uh, DJ Babu on four. Alchemist on here, of course. DJ Premier, Ninth Wonder. Um, that's the insane producer list. And the group obviously never broke up. Rucker said, we never stopped working together, um, even though we don't do a lot of stuff out here in the States. And there hasn't been an album campaign. We still tour. Now, I think, and this is my, my perception of this album, it has a really special feel. It feels like a treat. You know, it kind of feels like a super group reforming and delivering something that resets the balance because I think the production is is underground to the core. It stays so true to their values. The scratches, I this is I, I thought about this the other day. I feel the scratches the way I feel about vinyl. You know, in the eighties, vinyl uh, was massive. You know, it was everything, and so was DJing and scratching. In the nineties, it was kept alive only by the absolute hardcore. You know, vinyl records were descending rapidly as the uptake of CDs came in, and same with scratching. Now, in the 2000s, it was nothing. Like, you know, vinyl and scratching were the same. Like, you walk through HMV and looking at rows of unsold first edition vinyls for 20 bucks. Like, it's insane. You know, records that would cost hundreds of dollars now. And it was the same with scratches in the 2000s. You never heard anyone scratching. 
If anyone scratch you like, oh, this cute little throwback, but I'm not really that interested in it. But the scratches on director of photography, they feel fucking, they feel like high art in 2014. The beats on here feel like high art. You know, they're the pinnacle of taste. And I think that's the key to this record. Because even on low points like the reversal or opinions, they encapsulate a forgotten sound so much that they've become inherently valuable, you know? I think Evidence's production growth is hugely important in this story. He told Hip Hop DX, Babu and I are doing the majority of the production, which is very different from when we were just excited to have two or three tracks on an album before. I think we are still excited to just have two or three songs on the album, but it's working out we're getting more. It changes everything when you're really self-making an album and not hiring people. It's really different. Not to mention we're making music in our studio with different mixing techniques. We're from an analog era, so we're doing things differently right now. Now, Ev produced the Planet Asia project, The Medicine, and produced tracks for Raekwon, Sean Price, Faye Sean, Rock Mark Marciano, uh, Vince Staples. You know, his glow-up is littered all over this record as a producer. He just keeps... He improves, man. Every year, evidence improves as an artist. And I think this album is incredibly significant. I can't put too much importance on it because for this group to come back together after such divergent solo careers and drop something still centered in their signature sound but more expansive... It's the exact definition of the group, the expansion team. You know, Evidence developed a whole other persona on his solo work. I actually see it quite similar to what happened with Elzai. You know, Evidence told Talib Kweli he was writing some incredibly personal tracks. They just weren't fitting on DP albums. So his desire to go solo as an outlet for these emotions was too much to resist. Now, if you look at Elzai, he joined SV in 2002 but didn't drop his first official project. I mean, we know that he had an EP that came out um, that was basically a demo, uh, but he didn't mm. drop his first official solo album until 2008. By then, he was already established in his sound in the group, but it could only be a group sound at that stage, right? And when he went solo, his work became way more personal, way more about his struggles and his psychological states, and we never got another SV album with Elzai in that mode, but we got another DP album with Evidence you know, in a more personal and self-assured space. And he told Talib Kweli it was terrifying for him to be more open on wax to put his own name behind the music. But I think it makes directors of photography a really deeper, great listening experience. And I think every member brought that solo energy into the already established collaborative spirit. And it's a beautiful expression of, of dilated peoples. You know, I don't know that we've ever had a group or an probably a group you know there's definitely artists we've spoken of but a group to have that consistency but then to expand upon it with every fucking release but to still stay so true to their their core sound without ever stagnating or being boring i mean i I don't know of any group like that i i can't think of any group like that it's um it's really fascinating and uh it's it's a brilliant legacy to leave i think no, definitely. Um, I feel like the Elzai evidence comparison is very, very good. Because um, you, ain't, you ain't getting lead poison on an SV. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. You know. I want you clear in a special way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the special way really gets me, eh? Like, he <laughs> thought he was doing something with that. In a special way. Oh, gosh. So many callbacks this episode. Um, but yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I and I think uh, I think the answer to how um, they left each other in some way, went solo, and then came back for the for DOP, 
and still comes through just completely natural is because they've they've worked to they 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 set that foundation early on of not uh not conflicting and not um uh not doing what they don't want to do basically um like you, in a similar way you said um paraphrasing with you know they they got the late they got the major label deal but they acted as an independent group um and because of that because they were able to do that um you know that shit has to become second nature at some point right um where you just you, you you manage to get the deal you get the money behind you i feel like they just got the best of both worlds throughout most of the throughout the stretch they had um and they and they fulfilled that they fulfilled that potential i feel um which is very i feel like we have a lot of um we have a lot of retrospectives where they come where where there's this kind of like slow dip you know what i mean kind of, it's always it's always a negative arc but i feel like these guys just kept you know just steadily creeping up in in quality and in consistency and just never fell um and i find that incredibly impressive uh to to see a group go you know uh over a decade and um put out some just really good music for, for every single album um are there nitpicks sure we've named a couple but and the fact they've worked with so many good people as well it's just impressive to see uh zooming out now and doing this retrospective and seeing the names they worked with um it's just i i i i must i must think that they see uh if they never do a dp album ever again they can see their what they've done. They can see their output, and they can be happy with that, and have no regrets. Because <laughs> fuck, you work with you, you worked with you worked with Gangstar um, separately, obviously. Uh, Knife Wonder, Alchemist, on a, every single one in some fashion. Diamond D in this one in DOP uh, specifically. I will say, um, just for a record, out of the five, I'll probably say he's my least favorite. Um, but shit, man, they they have a they have a posse cut of of of, of crazy crazy uh, uh, levels of Hallelujah with for Sean Rhapsody, Domo Genesis, Vinnie Paz, and Action Bronson bringing it bringing a uh, ring up the rear. It's that's a crazy bonus track if I've ever heard one. Um, but yeah, man, it's just I don't know, just I just overall, man, they they they've it's super impressive and it makes me feel good just to see a group uh stick to the uh core principles of what hip hop is uh not um not kicking the dj element to the curb and really embracing that in fact um and managing to work their way around everything i'm sure there's pro- there was probably a lot of bullshit around the way uh as they went but damn, it doesn't look like it. It just seems they just smoothed sail to five really fucking solid tip hop albums, and uh, yeah, man, that just make, that just puts a smile on my face listening to these guys because it's you know every album is replayable. Um, it's easy to spin. It's just and even when you dig into it, there's some great uh, there's some great performances all around. So yeah, shout out to DP man. Just um, 
I want to see him tour now. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just want to see him live all of a sudden. Just because, uh, you know, they, they had several kind of like skits where, you know, it's just people shouting their name and shit. And, you know, it's shown like some good energy. So, O2 Kentish Town Forum, hit, get the better, get the, get the better, get on the blower. See, see what they're saying. Mm, shout out DP. Shout out DP. And when I said, we should not finish there and uh, hop on to a line note if you have anything better. I haven't really got anything this week. I feel like you might Good, either. because we're currently recording while uh, Kendrick oh, Lamar is yeah. about to come on for the pyramid stage in Glastonbury. And I would like to see that, so okay. let's finish up. <laughs> let's jump off then. I've got, I got stuff to do too, so let's jump off. Ben, Ben's busy as well. But shout out to Glastonbury, just in general. I still don't ever want to go there because it just looks like a horrible place to uh, A, camp, because I never want to camp in my life. Never going to happen. Uh, and B, to actually see music. Um yeah, no, no way. No way I'm standing two miles away to, to see an artist I like. No fucking way. you got to build way. up that, that chlamydia tolerance before you go to the, <laughs> the Glastonbury because you are knee-deep oh. in STDs oh. when you're at that. At the... I really brought the tone down to end this one. <laughs> Why chlamydia? I don't know, man. I don't know. It's been a rough week. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, sure. Um. Okay, so uh, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, on Chlamydia uh, from the Fifth Ed Podcast Network, <laughs> it's been Digging Digits. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed the Fifth Element. I hope you've been part of hip-hop numbers. I hope you'll have a good week. We should always try and do the same. Don't catch Chlamydia. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. The D, the I, the G, G, the I, the N, in the digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Regain's Hot Bonus Points. There's a job breakers for you to use. Socials for the impediment, hip hop by numbers, bonus points, and job breakers. We've been full show notes as well as the names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth and podcast over production. Thanks for spending time with us. Watch us see you next time. I'll dig in, in the digits.